welcome back to Jump Scare. I'm Betty. And I'm Shad. This week we cover our favorites and our most hated films of 2020. Thank goodness <laughs> it's over. Yeah, I feel like you've got some good ones on your list here. So let's just jump right in and talk about our uh, some of our favorites from the year. You want to go first? No, you can go. Okay, I want to talk about one of my favorites of the year. Now, anybody knows, I love some underwater horror. I love to see shark men, shark people, super intelligent sharks, evil octopus, whatever you got. If it's in the water, I want to see it. Because that shit's almost always scary. So, one of my favorites of the year is underwater. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> I'm fucking shocked. Well, it's... It's a good. It's a pretty good movie. I mean, look, they didn't do all cheesy. Aliens in water. That's right. Actually, it's Cthulhu in water. No, I'm saying like the film Aliens. Like it's literally like. Yeah, I know. Okay. They're, I'm saying they're actually Cthulhu. Because it's it, like the yeah. They're supposed to be the Cthulhu. And the yeah. Cthulhu children. Yeah, little baby Cthulhus. Oh, baby Cthulhu. Yep. Yeah. Hey, it's pretty good. I know everybody was immediately like, "Ugh, Kristen Stewart's in it." Yeah, but you know what? She's fine in it. Yeah, it's just, you know, basic acting. So does that mean you really need to be an Academy Award winning movie to pull this film off? She didn't have to stretch much to be in it, and that's fine. But I just love the fact that they relied mostly on practical effects. Because I watched like the behind the scenes of it and saw where they built most of the sets to like a height of six or six and a half feet. So when they're walking around in like these ruins and everything, everything's built. They're not just in CGI crap. They just CGI'd out some of the like wires and that kind of stuff. And even the creatures were actual puppets that they were moving around. They just used CGI, like I said, to remove wires and obvious scenes where you could see someone moving it. So I like that. It was a good idea. It was good. I mean, we've always said the best movies that have CGI in it, it's a mix of practical and CGI. Because there's a lot of movies like... I've noticed on like the box set of Aliens I got a few years ago, they've gone back in and they've digitally removed where you could see Lance Henriksen and the one part where you could see him sticking out from the bottom of the deck. They've covered that up. They don't talk about it a lot, but they covered that shit up. So I think it, I thought it was fine. I'm not going to say it's like Academy Award winning material or anything like that, but it's a fun underwater monster movie. The effects are good. The acting was pretty good. I don't have any complaints about it, so I enjoyed it. There, I mean, we discussed many films over the year, and none of them, or only one of them, I would say is Academy Award winning, but we're not looking for that when we're watching these movies. We no. just want to have fun. Uh, it was The Invisible Man. I just want to throw Invisible Man. Uh, you know, that's so funny uh, that I say Invisible Man that I plugged it like nine times because I have stock in that movie for some reason. Just kidding. Um... That actually was on my favorite list, but it was so at the beginning of the year. Like, I forgot that that movie came out in 2020. I thought it literally came out, like, at the ending of 2019. And it was, like, right before the shit hit the fan. Yeah, I think it would have been bigger in theaters, except it came out right when they started, maybe two weeks before the lockdown. That's Um, when it came out. I don't know. I think it came out like February nineteenth. Like it was in February when the when it yeah, came out. and then they started locking everything. It was maybe two or three weeks before it hit the lockdown, but it didn't have a lot of time to do much in the theaters before everything shut down. Yeah, it's not on my list. Just okay. gonna throw it out there. That's an honorable mention. It's gonna be on so many people's list. I'm not trying to add it to my list. I'll, someone else can talk about it. 
Um, well, you know, underwater, fine. Okay, I'm glad that you enjoyed the movie. I do, I've never watched the behind the scenes thing. This is one of the few movies that I have watched something like that. And I did really, I was shocked to know that it was a mix of practical and CGI. So that was pretty cool aspect of the film. And the film is, it is what it is. It is action packed and, you know, I was caught up in it. So, okay. Yeah, it starts off like, you think a lot of these movies, they start off and there's all this like, you're gonna, oh, we gotta learn everyone's backstory. No, this movie starts off within the first three minutes, the, you know, the fucking station explodes, everyone's running for their life trying to survive. This is one of those ones they know. We don't need a lot of backstory in everyone. Let's just get right into the shit right away. And they did. My fave, one of my faves of the year is Host, Shudder's Host. Okay. I really enjoyed that film for so many reasons. Um, I would love to watch it again. Um, You know, if you're not aware of what the film is about, the film was actually created during the quarantine, um, this quarantine time over Zoom. And it's set like that. And a lot of people are like, oh, it's kind of like Unfriended. But that movie was terrible. This movie is <laughs> actually really good. Um, the isolation, you know, we, it's like you can immediately um, have something in common with the people in this movie because you are going through it. Literally, you're in quarantine while these people are in quarantine. So it's something you're already experiencing and you're isolated yourself you know, depending on where you are, you know, in the state or in the country and how deep the, you know, um, whatchamacallit, the quarantine for you, like how deep it's going. Like, are you, can you not go out? Can you only go out during certain times of the day? La la la. The film does that beautifully. And also the fact that it is by, it is all filmed, you know, in that, in Zoom, like they use the use of technology in the film. I'm not li- really big one for technology, but I really enjoyed how even in that they showed you things that you've never seen before done in a horror movie with the te- the use of technology. Like you see people use cell phones in other movies. You've seen them, you know, be on FaceTime and something weird happens. Paranormal Activity was one of the first movies that you know, gave you that, the tech, you know, thing of like doing it through the security cameras and stuff. So the use of it and the way they use it is so smart and so scary. And I really love that. I had to go back to do like a little uh, clip piece recently for Instagram of the film and just watching like four minutes of the film I was already like scared (laughs) I was like already back into when I first watched it and it was daylight outside you know am I like a big wuss maybe but the movie really got to me and I really thought it was really enjoyable yeah I I enjoyed it too for you know considering how fast they put it together and got it out there I think it did a pretty good job Uh, I don't know too much about the people behind the scenes that did it but they, I know that they signed a deal now with Blumhouse to do movies, so they're doing pretty well for themselves. That's so awesome. Yeah. Hopefully, it'd be interesting to see what they can do with a little bit more money. They had the actors, um, like, do the things that happen to the actors. The actors are actually doing them themselves. They're, like, pulling themselves away from things. They're, like, dragging, like, using different things to, like, drag themselves. Yeah, I saw where they were using. They had, like, strings rigged up under the table where they could pull it, and it would cause something to fall over in the background and that. Yeah, so it's not... that was interesting. Yeah, that's awesome. It's not like a room 
of like people, you know, doing all this stuff. It's like the actors themselves are assisting. It's kind of like watching a play almost. For yeah, it's kind of like watching a really well rehearsed play. Um, and you know, the scenario is not anything new. It's like people doing a seance. The seance gets fucked. You know, someone ent- something enters a seance. And is there ever a horror movie where the seance goes right? Like they just call somebody up, they talk to them, they have a nice chat, and then everyone goes, "Wasn't that fun?" And they just go the hell home, and everybody goes on with their life. No, there is not. And then we wouldn't have a movie. So no, the answer is no. Okay, just <laughs> you're you're fucked every time. It's never you trying to call grandma, you trying to get in touch with grandma, you know, and you know grandma is nowhere to be found because she's off having like biscuits, like and tea, and like heaven. Yeah, you got grandma Satan. That's what you got. Yeah, you have a demon on like standby that's waiting there to like jump into the mix and be like pretending to be grandma. He's literally the big bad wolf, like. He's just there <laughs> pretending to be grandma. What's your next fave of the year? Uh, my next favorite of the year is One Bedroom. And this was a movie that, excuse me, uh, I kind of was surprised by it. it. It reminds me of a lot of other movies, but it's very well done. It's basically a woman moves into an apartment complex. And like in all these things, things start to seem a little strange. They're a little off. She kind of ignores it, and then it all comes to a head when it goes real bad when they find out that she has lied and brought a cat into the building. And if you're an animal lover, like me, that seems a little rough, but uh, things don't end well for the cat, and that's when you know just how crazy everyone in this fucking building is. And I thought at first it was going to be one of these things where it's just like a creepy neighbor who's going to be doing something, but no, it's way more than that. It's Spoiler alert, it's the whole apartment building is a giant cult. And once you move in, they've got you. And they don't want to let you go. They either brainwash you to join them, or they kill you. I enjoyed the movie a lot. um, But I knew pretty early on that it was going to be a cult. um, Because (laughs) I feel like people are acting weird in a place. The rent was like kind of cheap for like California everyone's acting weird and mad friendly and this is said like in modern times and it's in California cults like <laughs> I'm like people are not that nice in California the rent's never fucking to be inexpensive in a nice place and it's gonna be automatically a cult thing like cults cult cult all the way but that didn't take away from the movie the movie I think is it is like like some other movies, like The Invitation, you know, yeah. it's very similar in some ways and other ways it isn't. Um, there's other films that kind of share similarities with it, but it didn't just ruin the movie for me. Um, I I really enjoyed it as well. Yeah, the lead actress does a really great performance and all the people playing villains in this movie are super fucking creepy. You can see why they would be running a cult or working in it because they have that weird kind of charisma where... You even though they're telling you terrible things, you still kind of are starting to listen to them, you know. Yeah, they so, definitely yeah. wear her down, and I and the social commentary. I mean, whether you can take that away from the film or not, um, take you know like you leave with the you leave that with that idea. I mean, um, of what the social commentary is. It's like, are we just, are we all just owned by a corporation? Is corporations like running our lives, and there's like no way to escape it? I thought that was, like, genius. I really, really enjoyed that part. Um, My film 
And you know, I left some, I left some of these films out. One Bedroom also, not to go back to the, but that also was one of my, on my list. I had to really like list everything I liked from the year and then really go one by one and deduct things that were either not original-esque or reminded me too much of something else. Like I enjoyed it, but it's like, didn't make my fave faves. Um, my next fave, is the Mortuary Collection, another Shudder film. Shudder okay. killed it this year. I mean, there's not really much to choose from when it comes to like, I know I heard, I read an article recently that Netflix is going to be coming out with more, they're going to be investing in more horror films. So that's I'm good. interested to see what's going to happen there. Um, and I think that's, a lot of it has to do with the success of Shudder. Whether, I know they have like connectivity issues and whatnot, but if you're able to get in there, and we really haven't had that problem um, for a really long time. No, but, the secret to connecting to Shutter is don't try to use anything Apple related. Don't use Safari. You got to use Chrome. Yeah, you do have to use Chrome. Because you try to use it on Safari, it just does not work. It's not gonna go. It's not gonna work well that much on an app. It's not gonna really work that well like through, via Amazon Prime. You really have to just use Chrome and just go straight to the website. Yeah, it's on the website, and then we just broadcast it to the TV, so it's fine. Um, Mortuary Collection throwback i mean i love anthologies when they're done right like and so many people try to pull anthologies off and they come out to be in my opinion terrible tales of halloween terrible i know there's a lot of people i love halloween don't i love it i love the season there are segments in tales of halloween that are good but the problem is that there's just too many there's way too many and i feel like if they would have focused on maybe three or four and had a good wraparound it really would have made the whole movie but it doesn't. I think three is the best for anthologies. If you can do three with a good wraparound. Or maybe if you can do, you can squeeze four in if you have a very short one. Something like in Creepshow where they have, they have more than three in that. But they have some really short ones too. Like the Jordy Verrill and the opening with the, you know, the birthday cake one. They're very short to get to the point. You can do that. But then some of these, they try to squeeze in, you know, let's have ten different stories in here. And they're all going to be five minutes apiece. That doesn't come across as well. You know, I'd rather have more. I'd rather have three longer ones and then just a decent wraparound. And that's the thing. A lot of them now, they just dump the wraparound and they just throw three stories in there and let it be that. And it's like, no, I want the wraparound. I want the creepy creep show guy. Or I want something like Tales from the Dark Side where they're doing something like the kid in the oven telling the story. Something like that. That's I like the wraparounds too. I, I mean, that's what packages the whole film like that's what links all the other like stories together um i i like you can't you can't have a good anthology if you don't have a good wraparound that's my opinion yeah. like it's just not going to work out this one has a wraparound within the wraparound this one is very throwback i mean the way that they use the location that they um filmed in was it, i mean it was gorgeous looking the, everyone did a great job. I think the stories did. There was one story was like meh about, but it wasn't a bad story. It's just I didn't really connect with it. Other stories I really found. The rest of the stories I found. Well, the one to you're be, talking about, they even said in the in the movie, they said, "Well, that was just to warm you up. We're just warming you up with that one." I felt like maybe they realized that one wasn't the strongest story in the collection and just said, just threw that out there and just kind of, you know, what they call it, hanging a hat on it, where you're like, "Yeah, we know that wasn't the best, so we're just gonna call it." Yeah, actually, that wasn't the one, the first story wasn't the one I was oh, talking okay. about. I was, 
it, it was okay with that one. I usually like more meat in my story. Like that one is very basic. And like you said, it's a warm up. And I liked it, the fact that they did that. Um, the story that I'm talking about is the story of um, the husband and wife story. Oh, okay. That story was meh for me. It was it was a little it was fine, but I could have I could have lived without it. Um, but that doesn't take away from the movie for me. I really enjoyed all the other stories and just the fact. Well, I don't want to give it away because it's it is fairly new. But I definitely recommend it. We actually discussed it in another podcast. We discussed all of these in, in previous podcasts. So if you want to hear more, you know, details about it, look for, you know, the other ones. Maybe we can make a list yeah. on, you know, the ones we discussed and where to hit um, on those episodes. What's your next movie? Uh, my next and last one on the favorites is uh, Gredlin Hansel. This was one that came out early on in the year, and we saw it when it first came out, and I really loved it. It's very creepy, dark, and atmospheric. You know, a lot of people, of course, compared it to The Witch. And I've seen the other films from this director, and they're hit or miss. Some of them I've liked, some of them I haven't. His thing is, he's a very slow burn writer-director, and... Sometimes it pays off, sometimes it doesn't. And this one paid off. I really loved everything in it. Uh, Alice Krieg does an amazing job as being the creepy witch. Because I figure if you can pull off being the Borg Queen, you can pull off being anything. You she, know? As soon as I see her in a movie, I'm like, evil. Like, she's always, she was in Sleepwalkers, evil. Like, every time she's in a movie, evil. Like, I already knew off the bat when I first saw her, I was like, mm-mm, no. I mean, obviously, when the children arrive, you know who she's playing. Yeah. But I was like, uh, they they chose the perfect person to play that role. And I love that movie, too. Oz Perkins is the director, which is yeah. Anthony Perkins' son. And um, Pretty Little Things That Lived in the House, I believe, was the first film. That that film, very artsy very slow, terrible. We fu- I fucking hated that movie. Um, Black Coat's Daughter, love the movie. Love yeah. that movie. Hansel and Gretel, I mean, Gretel and Hansel, also very enjoyable. Yeah, I feel the problem with the, the the pretty things in the house or whatever the name of that was. I can't remember the exact name of it now, but the problem with that one was it was all build up and I didn't feel like there was any real payoff to it. It was so fucking slow. Oh my and God, then the Black so Coat's slow. Daughter, while it's slow, there's a great payoff to it and great twists in it. There is. The kills it, are great. Yeah, he does a great job with it. So, you know... time travel. There's everything. (laughs) There's things going on. There's stuff happening in that one. Uh, So, yeah. uh, Gretel and Hansel is my last of We just did three. I actually wouldn't say time travel, but esque. Yeah. Esque. All right. What's your next one? My last one was, uh, you know, can I do do a tie? Because trying to break down. I really enjoyed Freaky. I really enjoyed that film. Okay. Um, but I also really enjoyed Color Out of Space. Uh, I would have to say, I mean, if I had to really choose between the two, uh, I would say Color Out of Space um, because it's not easy to do a, like a Lovecraft story into a film. And that one like hit the mark. I mean, you would know more than... Oh, yeah. And it it did a great job with pulling off. I mean, Nicolas Cage, of course, is a known Nicolas Cage and things. But uh, it's good to see that director, Richard Stanley, back because he got royally dicked over in Island of Dr. Moreau. And 
I mean, he's doing okay, though. He's still got his full fee for working on that movie, so you can't feel too bad for him. He's He definitely has such a unique perspective, and, you know, a lot of the things I feel like in the Lovecraft world are just hard to, like, put down, like, visually, you know, because it's so fucking out there. And I mean, yeah, you could describe something. Well, and Lovecraft doesn't help either because so much of his stuff is like the people saw it and the undescribable horror of it drove them mad. Okay, well, that's kind of hard to put on a screen. <laughs> yeah, he's not Stephen King where he's literally giving you the history of like the fucking wallpaper. No, uh, he's very sparse. So it, it is hard to pull that off. And Stuart Gordon is one that pulled it off a few times, and now I think that uh, Richard Stanley's done a good job with it, too. Yeah, I think that Nicolas Cage, I mean, Nicolas Cage, I may or may not, was, isn't he like an Oscar award winning? He's won many awards for his things. I don't give a fuck about any what anyone says about Nicolas Cage or he's a bad actor. He's a fucking fantastic actor that had terrible shit happen to him. And he literally had to, like, he got fucked over by his accountant, who was, like, some kind of family. And then he had to do a whole bunch of shitty movies just to, like, you know, earn a living. Because at the end of the day, you got to eat and you have bills to pay. And he made terrible investments. You know, he's a person. At the end of the day, he's a person. So, you know... When I see him in a movie, I'm like, yes, I love this whole like resurgence that he's had within the horror genre because he's, I feel like he fits perfectly in there. And he's, he does, this is just a style. He's Nick Cage. Like, that's who he is. Like, that's it. That's what you're going to get. He's fucking kooky. Like, did you see, like, uh, what is it? Vampire's Kiss? Like, that movie's <laughs> fucking terrible. <laughs> but he's so wacky in it because he has a weird fucking sense of humor. I mean, have you seen the man dress, like, on a normal day? He's he's just so unique. So I expect him to be that. And I feel like his performance in Color Out of Space is actually the most, like, toned-down performance. He's He doesn't go full cage. I don't, I don't think he goes <laughs> full cage in the movie. I think the characteristics of the dad like fit well to the situation that's happening and let me tell you that fucking film has visuals that stay with you after the film like that's what stanley does he's able to fucking put some shit in your head and you're not you're not gonna be to this day okay i'm still thinking about that fucking what is it the this is what you want this is what you get movie um Uh, hardware hardware yeah like i had to erase that out of my because it like visually fucks you up um you uh, talk about ahead. the Nicolas Cage thing, you know. On the uh, he's one of the Spider Man in Into the Spider Verse. He's the oh, Spider Man, yes. the black and white one. And then they show a clip from the recording session for the voices where he literally says they're telling him like to be more intense. And he goes, "So you're trying to say you just want the full cage?" <laughs> and the guy's like, "Yes." And he's like, "I got you." <laughs> so he knows. <laughs> now let's have a break segment. <laughs> now ended um (laughs) our hates wait before we start the hates i want to i want to say something that there's been two big horror tv shows come out this year from that are on hbo and one of them is the outsider and i feel like they did an amazing job adapting the stephen king book for that they changed a minimal amount of things which mostly had to do with locations Things in the book were spread out more across the country, and they confined it more to a smaller area. 
fine. I know you can't necessarily have people hopping on planes and flying to Mexico and everything. That makes sense. And they changed a couple of characters around a little bit, but I think part of that was due to like that character is also being featured in another Stephen King show on a different network right now, so they maybe had to make it different from that. Fine. But I feel like they pulled off a very creepy, suspenseful show that, like I said, made minimal changes from the book, and they did a great job with it. And then they also did Lovecraft Country, where I feel like they changed almost everything from the book. So many things have been changed around on it and just changed for no particular reason that I can see. Let's just change it. Let's just move things around. Let's kill off characters. Let's change entire storylines. Let's add storylines. There was plenty in that book they didn't need to add anything to it. So I feel like they were. We had two great horror series, potentially two great ones, and then that's way we got one great one with The Outsider and one just okay one with Lovecraft Country. I'm just on about Lovecraft Country because I love the book and they just kind of messed up the series I think yeah I mean yeah I mean I didn't read either one so you have a really deep perspective that most of the people that are watching this show don't because they never read the actual material they're just taking like oh this is it like the books of blood or just can we go out there and just say the books of blood not by Clive Barker like that's not his books of blood like no, it's it not it would have said it would have said presented by by Clive Barker's books of blood like John Carpenter's Halloween so the fact that they just literally didn't really say that it wasn't a Clive Barker but also didn't say that it was or wasn't they basically paid for the rights to use the name and a little bit of one of the stories is all they did that really that pissed it. me off because people are out there saying like, oh, this is Clive Barker's Books of Blood and all that. And it's not. It's incorrect. Like, do your research because that really, that really pissed me off. <laughs> I still feel like the best adaption of any of the Books of Blood so far has been, well, Candyman, because that's in there. Except that the story is called The Forbidden. Uh, so Candyman and The Midnight Meat Train have probably been the two best adaptions they've done. it. But the rest of them are kind of like, eh. Yeah, I know you really enjoyed the Lovecraft Country. Like, I, you were so excited when you found out that this was going to be made into, and HBO was doing it. You were just beyond, like beside yourself because you really enjoyed the novel. And, you know, I've been watching it with you. And, you know, I I can't take... Like, I'm watching it, you know, just as a regular newbie, like, person. Like, has no knowledge of what actually happened. So, it's fine. I mean, I I love the story, you know, the main essential story. It's, I have a different insight because I have you telling me, like, when you read the book, you were telling me about it. you mean. (laughs) I'm actually really shocked that you actually just stopped the podcast to talk about this. So I know these these fucking things were weighing on you. You're like, I need to like throw my two cents in. Yeah. The Outsider, I never read the story, but I fucking love the show. I mean, like everyone was on point. The character development on point. The intensity. It gave me anxiety. Like it was mad graphic in a lot of scenes, and it just really fucking took a hold of me. And I it just really enjoyed it. I thought it was like one of the like top shows I've ever seen in my life. Like I would put that up there, like at least in the top like twenty best shows I've ever seen. Um, because it was really really good. Yeah. All right. Now we can go on to our regular hates. Regular hates. I'm going to just throw down Amazon Prime. Well, we watched this on Amazon Prime after midnight. 
So Oh yes, this one's on my list too. <laughs> oh it is. <laughs> so you are, you know, you're like, oh, what are we gonna watch? And you see this amazing icon, right? And you're like, it's like it's like the it's literally the 21st century version of like going to the video store. The icons that they post in all these streaming services will have like a little clip or whatever of uh, an image of the film, right? And this poster, like it looked, we were intrigued. We we're like, what the fuck is this? This looks interesting. So then we sat through what seemed like four hours of a romance gone bad and a separation you know, a breakup gone bad and how this man is wallowing the whole time over his girlfriend leaving. And then like, people don't really know that she's left and she's off in Key West having fun. And they come back like, and then the, oh, is there a monster outside his house or not? We don't know. It's kind he of keeps, like the sixth kind of sense. A, yeah. It's kind of ambiguous. Not like the sixth through... sense. I always say the fucking sixth sense. I meant signs and <laughs> signs yeah. where there's something outside. You, you think the whole in. movie, you're waiting like, oh, is this ambiguous? It's all going to be in his head. And then you're thinking, is she the monster? Did she leave because she knew she was turned into this creature? Of Which somewhere? is what I said, yeah. And no, at the end. Now, I feel like this would have been a really fun 30-minute short. Yes. If it had been 30 minutes and you had had, because we're going to spoil this one too. Basically, throughout the whole movie, for an hour and a half, you're watching him, like you said, just wallow, and maybe there's a creature outside, maybe there's not. The girlfriend comes back, they're having a dinner with all their friends, they start into a little bit of an argument, and out of fucking nowhere, this creature just busts into the house. Who looks just... fucking amazing, okay? Yeah, it's an this awesome thing looks creature. fucking great, and you're like, wow! Just jumps onto him, and he and it just fight all over the house until he kills it. And then just turns around to her, pulls a ring out, and says, you want to get married? And end of movie. Yeah, what the fuck was that? What the fuck was that? I, I, if this had been a 30-minute short, like if this had been a short film I saw like at like a, a horror festival or something, it had been 20 or 30 minutes, and they had shown him like out there on the porch being sad, and then she came back. I feel like they really could have picked up the whole, the whole short film could have been done just from the point where she came back. He could have been telling her, like, ah, oh, this thing was out here the whole time you were gone and all this. And then the end was hilarious because it's so fucking insane that you're like, okay, did that just fucking happen? So, yeah, that one was on mine, too, because it. I felt like it could have been, if it had been shortened down, it could have been fun. But as it was, it was just too slow. I get, <coughs> Excuse me. you know, an indie film, like you have a certain amount of money. And I know there's a, so many different things that come into play when you're making a film. But just was this, I felt like this is a way maybe this person really went through something with their significant other and they wanted to like, you know, get get it worked out onto paper and create something out of it. And then in the end, have a monster show up. Like I, and then I don't know. Now I'm, now I'm like, wait a second. Was the movie fucking genius? Like, I no, it wasn't. It was <laughs> I have conflicting emotions because that monster was fucking great. I was like, where where did this monster come from? Like, the detail, the way it looks, like, it looks fantastic, okay? I was, is this even a, like, a, a low-budget 
you know, this is an indie film with this level of like craft for this fucking looking I'm monster. I'm pretty sure that's where the budget went. That's all the money went to this fine because they, I'm sure someone owns this house that they were in. Like, was in the middle of like Georgia or something or Tallahassee. Oh, that's right. That's right. It is in it Florida. Was somewhere in Florida. Did we did we talk about this film during the podcast? I can't remember. Or did we just totally step uh, away from it? I think we stepped away from this one, but yeah, because we. Uh, We'll have to look back and see. I can't remember if we talked about this one or not. I don't think we did, but it's... Yeah. There were so many flashbacks. Like, the whole... Most of the... I would say, like, 40% of the film is just flashbacks of him thinking about the good times and then thinking about the bad times because the girlfriend's not even in the movie. She's only in the movie in flashbacks, and then she's not really in the movie present day until she arrives, and then they have this whole conversation about the relationship on the porch... It that was, goes on for a good fifteen minutes. I mean, I, like I said, I felt like the movie was four hours, and I've given we've given so much time talking about the movie because that's all right. Now, oh, you, I'm sorry, that was my. I already no, we, jumped. We, we shared that one, so it's fine. Okay, we shared that one. So now, my next one that I'm going to talk about is I thought this one could have been a good idea because they could have gone several directions with it, and instead. <sighs> It just was bad. I'm dying to know. Can I guess what it is? Guess what it is. Is it Fantasy Island? Yes, it is. Because <laughs> I thought they could have done this. The people show up. They could have done this very Twilight Zone or something where you're like, you're going to get what you want, but there's going to be a twist to it. There's going to be something, you know, like the, uh, what is the one, uh, Something Wicked This Way Comes, where the guy grants you wishes, mm-hmm. but then you lose something in return. Like the woman gets to be beautiful like she's always wanted to be but then she loses her sight so they could have done something like that with it and updated the old version of it and made it into something really creepy and told like an anthology kind of thing with the people coming to the island and then there's like maybe three or four little ironic stories that go on that's what i was hoping they would do no nope they just made it into a standard kind of cross of saw hostile Several other horror movies. It, it just didn't make sense what they were, were trying to do with it. And then let's throw in magic. I feel like they were the, on the fucking island from Lost where they go down to the end of it and there's a goddamn like magical spring with shit happening in it. I don't, I don't fucking know what was going on in it. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I mean, and it was like Lucy Hale was in the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, wasn't she also in that other terrible movie, the um, the one where the faces got all Truth weird? Truth or Dare. Truth or Dare, yeah. I love you, Lucy Hale, but maybe don't do any more horror films. Like, I, and it's not even about her performance, per se, because she's fine. Just, she just hasn't had luck in the genre. Yeah. Not at all. And that movie was terrible. Um yeah, it could have. I agree with you. It could have been something, but it wasn't. I thought they really were. They could have done, like I say, if they had done each one was going to be like a little story with kind of an ironic twist. Like I said, oh, I want to be beautiful or whatever, and but we're going to make you blind or what is something like that, like a night gallery kind of thing, you know? They could have done something like that, but no, they just went for a standard kind of action slasher type thing, and it just didn't work. Well, you know. I was going to say, because we went, we had a whole podcast about it, and we, this was actually the most hated film we discussed for the year. Yeah. Um, But it's like, we, do we add that to our hate list? Because it's a, and it's a joint hate. I don't know if Antrim, and if all you Antrim assholes are out there. <laughs> oh, Antrim's on my list, because that's hard to forget. 
<laughs> like I tried. I this is one of those movies where it was just such a gimmick of like, oh, everybody that watched this movie has died, and you're like, nah, okay, I know this is probably going to be bad, but let's give it a shot. Maybe it'll be good. No, no, it was not. It was not good, and and it, the Antrim asshole is if you got suckered in for whatever way, because this is one of the films that got like mad hyped um, because of the whole gimmick. If you got suckered into watching it, you became an asshole. And we we are definitely part of that group. We're an Antrim. We're Antrim assholes. We got suckered into it and we saw it. And now we can't unsee it, but I'm doing my best to forget it. I'm going to therapy. Hours of my life were is are gone. I cannot get that time back from watching this film because it was just such a crap movie. Um, and if you want to hear more about it, check out our podcast uh, about Antrim, <laughs> uh, where we discuss in much detail why it was terrible. Okay, those are the three that I had that just stuck out to me as the most hated. Do you have any more? I do. And I'm, you know, I actually have a whole list of the ones I didn't like, We're just going to, I'm just going to go straight to the one where I don't get it. Like, what's up? What, what's up with the hype? And I've talked about this. I've discussed this with other people who've seen the movie. The scene that literally ruins the movie for me for the whole movie which makes the whole movie predictable um they don't remember like if that blows my fucking mind and it's the lodge it's mm. i know this is on a lot of people's films of like oh this is the best one of the best films of the year why why was it the best film it there are so many things look i understand it's a horror movie maybe it's not gonna be you know logical and Whatever, but there is just so many different reasons why I disagree with the, why this is the best movie. The twist or one of, the of best. this would be interesting if they didn't telegraph it early on in the movie. They did. This would be like if at the very beginning of The Sixth Sense, after Bruce Willis gets shot, if they showed him go to the hospital and have him go, well, he's dead, bury him. And they showed him putting him in a coffin, throwing him in the ground, and then he pops back up later and you're like, I thought he died. Oh, the kid sees dead people. He's a dead person. It would take that long. That's how the lodge goes. Now They telegraph the whole twist of the movie 10 minutes in, and you're like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Now, okay. Now, what was told to me was that that scene, which we didn't really go back to see how long, and I, and I will, and then I'll post about it, how long that scene is, um... They were like, that probably happened for like five seconds. And then it, it wasn't like a full scene. It was like a five second thing. And then the, went to the next scene. That's why no one remembers it. Because I feel like, am I fucking nuts? Like, did this scene happen? It fucking happened. No, it happened. I saw it. And I said the same thing. I'm like, well, I know what's going to happen here. Yeah. After that, the film becomes predictable. I mean, it's not predictable. It literally wrote it for you. And then infuriating, like... Why would you leave your children? Like, obviously, you don't give a fuck about your kids because you just left them with a basically a stranger. It's not like you've been dating this woman for like years. You know, I'll give you that. You haven't even been dating her for a full fucking year or two. You're going to introduce your children who just went through a traumatic experience of like having their mom blow her fucking head off in the goddamn house. You're going to already have a fucking girlfriend. The girlfriend that you choose is a fucking psycho, like a like a cult survivor that's been through some shit. 
whether he knows that she's on meds or not, I feel like he should know because he did a whole book or wrote whatever the he was doing. He was covering like yeah, he wrote the like a documentary about it. So he should know more in depth about who he's lay, you know, slaying with, you know, and bringing into the house to take care of his children. I felt like he just wanted a glorified nanny that he could fuck, and he was just like, "Hey, you're here, and then I'm just gonna like leave you with my kids in the middle of fucking nowhere in a fucking snowstorm." Like, okay, fine, it was a snowstorm at the time, but you know, and this like up there in the fucking winter time. And I have business to attend to buy and leaves them with an unstable woman. These kids, I feel bad for the kids. I feel bad that they, spoiler alert, that they end up dying, okay? Because they didn't deserve that shit. They did not, they're children. And children who just went through something so fucked up, they're gonna retaliate in some way that's what children do yes it's not going to be to the magnitude of oh we're gonna like play this whole he-. it was basically a game for them they just wanted this bitch out of their life like they didn't want to have to deal with her she was fucking weird and they didn't you know their mom hasn't even been under in the ground for like fucking 20 minutes he has new snatch like of course they're gonna be upset and their fa- and their dad didn't give any crap about them. So they did this shit to get his attention. There was many reasons why I felt like the children did what they did. I hated the film. I fucking hated it. I just oh, yeah. I, I I didn't get into it either. I felt so bad. I felt bad for the dog. I felt bad, you know, the dog being that it was a dog of the psychopath that they ended up being, you know, in the fucking snowstorm with or in the in the cabin with. Um, I keep saying snowstorm because I just saw a lot of snow. And... There, there was a snowstorm eventually. Okay, good. Um, yeah, I didn't and care even, for that. And even the woman, she didn't really deserve it. The husband kind of, or the ex, you know, her boyfriend kind of just dumped her with the kids and left her there. She didn't deserve the craziness. No, she didn't deserve what happened to her per se, but... I feel yeah. like she should have just said, no, if you're going to have to go to work, then you need to take the kids back home and let me go do this another time. We'll meet him another weekend. Yeah, I'm not mentally stable to be taking care of children. Maybe that's not something you want to say to a new boyfriend that's probably paying your rent and taking care of you because she was younger than he was, right? Which is the probably the whole reason why he left his wife. You really don't know because it's a horror movie. You don't really need to get into all that. Um, the, the beginning scene is already shocking. Like that opening scene, like, can we not have Alicia Silverstone blow her brains out? Like, I was like, that's a little much. Like, was the mall closed? She couldn't go shopping, like, and buy really? like new clothes? Like, I don't know. Um, clueless, um, yeah, we tie in, uh, just in case maybe people don't know. Uh, yeah, don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. Please, someone let us know why, why did you love the film? If you love the film, because we are just. Dot, yeah, dot, dot. I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not this one. Question mark. Now, was there anything this year that we came across? Something that was new or something that was old that you really enjoyed that you were kind of surprised by? Because for me, one that I had seen for years on video store shelves and never actually picked up was Bloody Birthday. And we watched that for the first time this year and I had a blast with it. It was a crazy fucking movie and it... It just went off the rails from the very beginning, and I loved it. And that was an Arrow video release, and I feel like that's, they're one of those companies that, like, they find these movies that you've forgotten about and put them out on video, and then they always turn out to be amazing. Uh, hmm. I don't know. You just caught me off guard with that. I literally have to remember all the films that we saw 
I can't really pinpoint one that really struck out. I'm trying to think of the older ones because there's a lot of older films that we've that we've covered that I had never seen before. Um, the first one that came to mind was um, the one with um, Mr. Mustache. Um, Tom Selleck? No. Uh, what is his name? I, well, his name is fucking escaping me right now. Uh, Roadhouse. Uh, Sam Elliott? Sam Elliott, yes. That movie, uh, I oh, really Oh, uh, The Sentinel. The Sentinel. Was that this year or was that last year? Oh, shit. Was that, that last, was last year? That was last year, yeah. Damn. See, no. If I had to pick a movie, like, right off, it's going to be The Rental. And that's actually, that's obviously a newer movie. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed that film um, because it really, it's one of the, another, like, technology-esque you know, movies, and it caught me by surprise. I was not expecting that at all. And uh, it was very, very enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I'll have to get back to you, darn you, for, you know, just throwing that in my face, because I have, oh, like... It just popped into my head while we were Oh, here. yeah, you just really took me. I have to, like, really think about it, because I know there has to be one. I, I The one that I want to say we haven't covered yet... Uh, cause we'll probably be covering, we'll probably be doing the podcast like later on about it. So I don't want to mention what it is, but, uh, it's a winter film. <laughs> you know, it's hard to find, uh, I'm sure it's not hard, but there's not a lot of winter horror, you know? And I really love, I would, I love winter horror. Either there's something you're already trapped, you know, in a situation where things could go awry and, you know, so many things happen. Like I've seen so many horror films happen, you know, in the fall and the summer and every other fucking season, but there's not a lot that happened in the winter. Well, thank you so much for joining us on this round of our best and worst of 2020. Thank goodness it's over. And let's hope this year stays uh, uh, way better. Yeah, let's hope we just get, you know, it gets... And, you know, I was actually surprised to see how many films. Because when we first discussed doing this, we were like, there wasn't a lot of films that came out in 2020, uh, horror-wise, but there, or overall. But there actually was a lot that did come out. Was that more than we remembered at first? We had to go back and look. Yeah, we did have to go back and look. And I'm so glad that we did. And if you want to hear any more about any of the films that we discussed, we actually have um, other yeah. podcasts where we, covered, where we covered them within our catalog. So you can go back and hear in full detail why we liked or disliked said films. Thank you so much for joining us and stay tuned to the horror. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. <laughs>